Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. What goes through the mind of an A-level technician when they're about to put in their notice? What drives them to the point where they finally decide to leave? Are they leaving for more pay? Maybe it's better benefits? Maybe a better schedule? Well, Lucas and I sat down to have this discussion with Cody Gaddy of Cody's Auto Diagnostics in Tucson, Arizona. Cody started his career as an entry-level technician and worked his way up to become his company's lead diagnostician. But he left for another shop. And eventually, he had to go out on his own as a mobile diagnostician. Cody candidly speaks on why he eventually moved out of a shop and now works for himself. Before we begin, however, hit that like button if you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, or make sure that you have the podcast set to automatically download the latest episode on your favorite podcast listening app. And now, here we go. What's up, dude? How you doing? Good. How about you guys? I am fantastic, man. Fantastic. Did you hear any of my radiator story, Cody? I did. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> this wasn't meant to be funny. You were supposed no, to sympathize with me. I, go, I, I did. I, I did, but pain. I laughed That's on the awful. other end because uh, I've been there. So <laughs> that was a, that was a lot of work for. Uh, um, hey, now you, now you got a new AC machine, so that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, he needed. I that don't know. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I find out that no one in Kansas City has a flipping twelve thirty four YF machine. At least none of the repair shops. And everybody, I'm talking to place after place, and they're all like, "Just take it to the dealer." I'm like, "Screw yeah. those guys! I'm not taking to the dealer." No, I want to find some, at least a, a local repair shop that I can just zip on over, have them suck it down for me. You know, I'll pay them whatever. But at least hook me up, help me out. And uh, no, they're like, no, I don't know anybody has one. 
Well, and here's the thing. Now you can be that guy. That's it. Oh, hey, but, here's the thing. Look, like, Mr. Positive over here. David, you <laughs> needed Mr. Positive in your life. Positive yeah, perspective. Yeah, That's right. Hey, well, the, here's the, the thing. I mean, because. I'm very standoffish, and, you know, I'm like, uh. oh, I trust me. I get it. Um, I got my, uh, <laughs> one of my old shops that I worked at, we ended up, I, you know, I talked them into the uh, 1234 YF machine. And, you know, and after getting that. Like early on? Well, like this 17? was. This was like two years ago. Um, yeah, so early on, it, it fairly. I mean, even though it's yeah. like set, it's been out for seven years now. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> when you say yeah, the well, new like, refrigerant, it's not really new anymore. But anyway, uh, you know. But here's the thing. I mean, you know, get get the word out to other repair shops and, and body shops and everything else. And and you know, it, it was it's nothing to so suck it down and fill it up. And my my main uh, contact to all the other shops in the area uh, is my snap-on guy because I buy a lot of stuff from my snap-on guy and because he takes good care of us and, and he's, uh, he's always there to, to help us out at, you know, three forty-five on Friday with some stupid tool that we need to finish some job. He hooks me up. He takes really good care of us <clears throat> and he wanted to sell me the machine, but one, I couldn't get it quick enough. And two, I think his like cheapest machine is $9,000. Wow. Which is way more than I would have that I ended up spending with the Molly machine, and you know I ended up telling him today I saw him at a different shop where I was picking something else up, <clears throat> and I tell him, "Hey, I ended up getting a Molly machine." He's like, "Oh, you got to be kidding me! I think it's a piece of crap. This, that, and the other. I think he's a little butthurt." So I don't <laughs> think he is going to go around to other shops and go, "Hey, take it to the guy who didn't buy my machine," oh, uh, yeah. but you should maybe think about buying my machine. <laughs> he didn't. But you should take your stuff to <laughs> I'm not friendly like Lucas. Lucas makes friends with all his local shops. I'm not a I, I don't know about person. That. I don't know about that. Especially if they listen to the podcast, they probably don't like me very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, you gotta be transparent though. You gotta be honest. Hey, you do. And that that's where I was like, man, do I do this podcast or not? Cause uh <laughs> Yeah. It's, no, and obviously I, I wanted to do it, but it's just one of those that, you know, um, I'm sure I'm going to offend some people and, and uh, you know. Um, are you going to offend them with your thoughts or are you going to offend them be, just because you're now associated with Lucas and, and myself? Oh, probably both. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. Concept. <laughs> um, well, so, that's not good. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder about the reputation we have. No, no, no. And it's it and it's all and it's all good. My my thing is, you know, obviously, um, you know, I don't like talking bad about any shops or or, you know, previous shops that I've worked at, but you know, coming into this podcast, I can pretty much only go off of my experience as a technician and and you know, I've been in a in a couple shops um in the last 15 years. And you know, so it, it's um you know, I spent 14 years of that in one or no, yeah, 16 years in the, sh in 14 years in one shop and, and two years in, um, two separate shops. So, uh, you know, there's a, I, I was excited to do this podcast, but there's obviously there needs to be a change. Um, I, yeah, I feel definitely. that for, in this industry and, and hence kind of why I'm, I'm doing my own thing and being mobile and stuff now is because of the, the bad taste I got in my mouth because of, you know, some shop owners and stuff. So, um, so I think it's good that we're doing this and, and just to, to change things around and, and, uh, you know, get some information out for everybody. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, so I'll tell you where all this started. A good friend of mine named Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Jim um, is a shop owner, and she goes into a couple groups, and she posts um, that she's looking for technicians. And, and she wasn't trying to hire technicians from the group. She just said, you know, if you're a technician and, and you were looking to change uh, employers, what, what is it that you're looking for? What, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And we all know how the groups are. There were some ridiculous comments. I mean, mm-hmm. 80% of the labor rate and this, that, <laughs> or the other, blah, 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 blah. And, and it, it became exceptionally apparent that a, some of them were trolls, but then there were these realistic ones who didn't really understand the shop operational side of things. And then it also became apparent that they weren't being treated well. And, you know, just the other day we were having this conversation in one of the groups and, and the conversation turns to training. And I'm like, Hey, you know, somebody said, who's coming to this event. I love AST. It's an event I go to every year. And all these guys are like, yeah, if I had the money, I, I would go. And I'm like, what? Hold up, hold up. Your boss doesn't pay for that. Whoa. That's weird to me. Right. And, and we began to talk about it. And it seems like this is a pretty big problem. It is. Techs aren't really being appreciated and they're not being trained. You know, what's your perspective of that? Are, are we are we as an industry just missing the ball completely? <sighs> so uh, to, to go off your comment as far as the training, um, the company, I, I'm going to refer to the my one shop that I spent 14 years at because that's pretty much the shop that I I you know, started from the ground level and, and just built built my reputation and, and became the tech that I am today and stuff. Uh, you know, it was a great company. Uh, they did pay for training. Uh, they wouldn't pay for you to attend training, but they would pay for training. And that would be local training like ATG or O'Reilly's or um, we have uh, Merle's uh, does some factory training and stuff. So that would be, you know, if you wanted to go, you had to register and you could go to these trainings. And don't get me wrong, these training, any training is better than no training. And, uh, and I just, I started attending when I was still super green, um, 
you know, I, I just started attending every single one of these classes I could get my hands on. So there's, there's weeks I was going to three different classes a week, uh, and the shop would pay for it. So, you know, that was, that was awesome. Now, fast forward a little bit to when I realized, you know, once I start networking with, with guys like yourself and getting out there and realizing that I had no idea of the ASTE, of the vision, of the Super Saturday, of all these other awesome trainings that, you know, we are not physically going to see here locally. We're lucky to have right. ATG and, and ATG is the cream of the crop when it comes to local training here. Um, but when it, if you want anything else, you're going to have to travel. So I bring this up to, uh, I paid out of my pocket to go to super Saturday, uh, two years ago or the last time they had it live. And, uh, man, it was just such an experience, not just from the networking, but the training that I don't, I don't get locally. Uh, it was just, I mean, that one day was, it just like changed my career to be around so many yeah. guys that, that had the same kind of passion. And, uh, so I came back from that just ramped up. I'm like, you know what? Local training is awesome, even though I'm the only one out of my, the lo, the shop that I worked for, the company I worked for had 15 shops here in Tucson. And it would be me and two other guys maybe at, at some of these classes. I was at every single one. These other two guys would be at, you know, they, it'd be hit or miss if they were attending. And people out of, you know, 50, 60 technicians in the whole company, nobody was taking advantage of this free training. And, That's you know, crazy so- to me. It's it's absolutely crazy because they they want to get paid to to go to the training. They shouldn't have to work a full day, and then um, they should have the training paid, and then they should also be benefiting to be going to the training. Not like you're not going to learn anything. Uh, I, I never thought that way. Well, you're I'd work a flat rate. Exactly. They they'd want you know I want to get paid. I want to get paid two hours to go to the go to the class or or something. And but they're, you they're, know they're on flat rate, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, so it's me, I looked at it differently as far as, you know, this was free education. Um, I ended up not going to, uh, to UTI right out of high school and stuff. So I was, I was just getting any kind of training I could possibly get. And like I said, it, even if that meant coming out of pocket, like going super Saturday. So I go to the CEO of the company and, and I mentioned, you know, super Saturday. And I was like, this, this training is just, you know, it, it, it was awesome. Um, I think it would be it'd be ideal if we could, you know, I'm not saying just me or even sending me, but you know, I think it would be a good idea each year to, you know, send a handful of guys, whether it be managers, because uh, there's there's management training, you know, all these all this training that's out there, and my company never provided any kind of management training. So all these technicians have to do all this training, but managers managers or service writers, there's there's no training for them. Um, so that's, and I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later and stuff, but you know, there's, there's training for every single avenue of this industry and it shouldn't just be technicians um, going to the training. It shouldn't just be, you know, managers going to the training. I, I think it needs to be, if you're going to work as a, as a whole, you, yeah. you all need to participate. Um, and you know, my, my shop was pretty much like, or the company I was at at that time was, you know, that we're not making that kind of investment for airfare and, and everything else. Um, uh, see if, or then they mentioned as far as like, what about, uh, getting these 
classes locally. And that's when I reached out to Brandon Steckler and I was like, Hey, can, would you do a, a, a class, your class local to us and stuff? And I was trying in the process of getting that all set up and everything. And then that's when, uh, like COVID and stuff happened. So it, it was one of those, man, I'm doing all this legwork to, to bring these classes to them since they don't want to send the guys out to these trainings. And it, it just, I started building resentment because they did not see the value in it. And I'm, I'm there with, you know, managers and shop owners and other people in the industry that are just like, so excited to be there that it's just, it's just, it's an amazing experience. And here I come back to my, my company and I feel deflated. They're like, it's, it's not worth it. I'm like, you have no idea. It's not worth it. (laughs) You know, I, I see two perspectives of that. And, and so one of the perspectives is, and, and this is probably going to upset some technicians and I don't mean it in a, in a negative light, but I, I think many, many shop owners have been burnt by technicians who just don't give a damn. Right. And by that, I mean, we, we've all had, I know David's hired some, <clears throat> I know I have hired some, um, I have experienced a technician who, you know, he would go to the training if, if you asked him to go. But you were just throwing money down the drain that you'd go out and find the guy over there, you know, walking out of class to go have a drink or, or go get some food, but but wasn't even in the class. And, you know, I found them not engaging. Now, listen, the technicians I have now, that's not them. So I want to be clear to all shop owners that is not giving you an excuse to not pay for training, not paying your guys for going to training not covering some of those expenses. And and let me just say right now, if you want to talk about a culture building event, go to training, take the guys to the arcade, take the guys to red go-karts, go to top golf, do something, but get out and be part of your team, right? Work with your team, being involved with your, being involved with your team is a tremendous growth opportunity for your business. Um, But, you know, Cody, one of the things that we've all seen over and over again is a technician who's not willing to drive themselves forward. It's it's always about what do I get, yet it's nothing yeah. about, hey, here's how I'm bettering myself. Here's how I'm making myself a better technician. Here's my goals. Here's what I'm striving for. It's I expect, I expect, I expect, but nothing in return. And so I think when I say, you know, we've all experienced technicians like that, there are some of those in the industry. Now, I get into these groups and I see everybody you know, harping on shop owners. It's all shop owners. It's all shop owners. You know, the majority of shop owners are bad. I'm telling you, I, I mean, I talk to a lot of shop owners. They're not. There are bad shop owners, just like there are bad technicians. You know, how do we bridge that gap? Where do we go from here? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's easier said than done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, I think what you, what you said, as far as, um, you know, getting all your guys together and doing things as far as maybe not shop related, going go karting, doing things as a, as a team and stuff. I think that's that's the first step. Um, honestly, you know, uh, it, because the thing is, it, spending time at the shop and everything else, we we all know that. I mean, we're practically it's our second family. We're actually spending more time with with people that we work with than than we do at our own houses, um, our own families and stuff at home. So, it, you know, if we can build that kind of camaraderie and, and, and granted, I know there are so many technicians that they, they need, 
they need that incentive to, in order to go to the training. Uh, and, and it, it is hard. It's hard to work a, a 10, 11 hour day and then go sit, sit at a, in a class for four to five, six hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, and I just, I had a different drive and, you know, so I look at it yeah, as the shop owner and stuff that, you know, if out of 60 technicians in this company, there's two or three taking advantage of the training, uh, you know, why, honestly, as a shop owner, I wouldn't want to be sending my guys out of state because they don't even take advantage of the local, exactly. you know? Yep. Um, so, so I see that. And, and how do you get the fire underneath the, the, these techs, these technicians, you know, asked to, to, to push them to want to better themselves. Me, I had to do it by, for myself. You know, I wanted to be yep. the best that I could be not better than anybody else, but just be better than I was the day before. And, and I'm a lot, you know, a lot of my education is self-taught. And then, then I started networking with guys and, and meeting guys like, you know, Mario Rojas and, and, you know, uh, scanner Danner and realizing that there's a whole nother like community out there and then realizing about vision and super Saturday and all these other things, man, it just completely changed where I w didn't know if I wanted to be a technician anymore couple you know years ago to the to you know it just lit that fire under my ass again and it made me really love the industry again but then i see that i go to these shop owners just all excited like man we need to go to we need to go to this training and this and that and up oh, no no training's not worth it and yeah. you know so <laughs> it, it's 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 a deflating moment you know and definitely the the networking with you guys realizing you know seeing how you guys take care of the technicians and everything else, man, once I started networking is once I realized, you know, I came out of the shell of working in a shop for 14 years within the same company, realizing like, man, there are some like companies that really, really value technicians and really go above and beyond and things that like I struggle with that I struggled with current, you know, at, at in my situation, uh, at my shop. And, you know, so networking and seeing all these amazing shops out there and everything that they're doing, man, it made me want to to better my company. So I'd go to my company and be like, hey, can we do this? Can we do this? You know, um, putting out, you know, ideas of things to make us better, to move us forward, whether it be getting into ADOS or like I was mentioning earlier, the 1234YF machine to, you know, moving forward, not just sitting sitting stagnant. and man, you know, and I just was shot down and shot down and shot down. And it was frustrating. Um, realizing that, yeah, there are shop owners that really, truly care. Um, I ended up leaving that, that company and going to another company that I thought I found what I was, what I see on Facebook and, and, you know, with you guys and like, uh, um, Kurt Kennedy and in his company and everything else that, you know, something that, I don't have to draw or I don't have to travel across the United States to go work for them. And it was, it was a lot of uh, false promises to get me in the door. And then, you know, right. three months after I'm there, it was everything that they said that they were going to do. They, they backed out of. So, you know, now I'm back to square one. You know, I, I feel like I want to push these companies farther and, and maybe I'm just, maybe my standards are just too high. I, I don't know. Um, you know, that was, that's my situation anyway. <laughs> that's, that was my frustrations. So, so one of the things, you know, on that subject, right, is, is that we keep talking about, you know, technicians that leave, technicians that are unhappy. And, and you've shared that, hey, I, 
there were a lot of broken promises. Um, I, I think in a shop owner's mind, the most common thing that comes up is, you know, what well, was money? It was money. It was money. Right. And, and they think that the number one way to hire a tech is, is just keep promising more money and to the point they feel like they don't have any more money to promise. And the tech wasn't as productive as they thought they could be. They didn't have the, the throughput, you know, and there, there's lots of reasons, um, especially when it comes to the profitability of the business. Um, <clears throat> they will get into a situation where they have got to, um, you know, promise this amount to the tech and it's on the tech billing 40 hours every single week or more. So I guess my question for you is, is it just money? Is, is that <laughs> what let you down in the shops you went to? Okay. So no, absolutely not. Um, the, the shop that I was at for, for 14 years, uh, well, I should say, let me rephrase that. Yes and no. Uh, the shop that I was at for 14 years, uh, it got to the point that, you know, I continued to grow and grow and grow. Uh, and my company ended up getting bought out by this company that came in and it's wants to turn into this huge tire conglomerate, which granted we never did tires before this. Uh, now we are, uh, they're trying to compete with discount tires. So our oh, whole man. business model, um, for our company where we are 100% service, um, and repair now went to we're 90% tires and now 10% service. They, they want to say it's 50, 50 and it, it's absolutely not. Uh, so once that happened and all these changes came in and, and everything else, I saw this company heading a different direction. Uh, and I realized that the money that I was making, cause I was making extremely good money, but on that flip side of making this extremely good money, uh, being flat rate on at the end of the year. Yes. My numbers, my numbers were, were awesome. You know, I made, I made good money, but that doesn't include the, the, the weeks that I was there at five o'clock in the morning doesn't include the weeks I was there till 10 o'clock at night. It doesn't include like all the overtime that I put in year right. after year because I want to make more money than I did the year before working flat rate. It's my, it's a competition with myself and knowing if there's work sitting at the shop, my anxiety level, um, I'm one of those, I would rather be, you know, doing something. If I'm sitting at home and, and not doing anything, man, I'd, I'd rather wake up at 5 AM and, and head into the shop and, and make some money. Um, you know, so the numbers at the end, like I was saying, the numbers at the end of the year looked, looked awesome, but that was a lot of sacrifice those 14 years away from my family. Uh, six years of that, I was working six days a week. Uh, so, you know, is it all about the money? Um, no, with that company, it got to a point that I, I had to sit down with them and this sit down lasted about two and a half hours. And this was with the CEO of the company that just bought us out. And I was pretty much talking business with him. I was asking him, Hey, where, where is this company going in the next five years? And cause I wanted to see, does it line up with what I, what I see? Um, and he says, you know, pretty much it boils down to that. They don't want to make investments into, um, the changing technology. Uh, they want to continue doing alignments, brakes, struts, shocks, uh, you know, and, and, and tires. Okay. And you know, that's all fine and good. Um, but no, no change to move forward. Um, so 
you know, that then we started discussing my pay and I was pretty much told that he can, you know, if I ended up leaving, he can hire t- four uh, tire guys to, to bust out tires and stuff for what he pays me. And I was like, okay, that's, that's all fine and good. So Peace, I'm out. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Well, and you know, and I recorded this whole conversation too, and it's fun to go back and listen to it. Cause I was actually listening to it last week before coming on this podcast, just to remember like, what was my frustrations, you know? And you know, yeah, I pretty much got told that I am the highest paid technician within the company and that there's no room for me to grow. Okay. Well, I don't care about the money, but the whole, what you just said right now, as far as there's no more room for me to grow. Okay. I'm stuck. And if I feel stuck, then, then I, I just feel that I'm spinning my wheels and that I, 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 I don't, that's an un- uncomfortable feeling for me. Uh, so that was, you know, that was my last conversation, you know, that's, I put in my two weeks and, and I ended up leaving to this other company and I ended up making, um, you know, a significant, significant, significant amount less. Uh, and did that hurt? Yes. But I also don't live outside my means and stuff. So I was able to, sur- I was able to survive. Um, but what frustrated me with that company was like I was saying was the, the false promises. So, so is it about money? It's a it's a yes and no answer, honestly. So so let me ask, right? And and I get if you can't say it, what were those promises? Because there's a lot of shop owners listening, thinking, yeah. Well, I've told somebody something, and I didn't feel like they held up to their end of the bargains, and something didn't work out. There wasn't, you know, and 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 I don't want to give them that excuse, and I don't want us to make excuses for that. If we tell someone we're going to do something, we should do it, right? I, I think that's the way it is, and I make that mistake. You know, I tell my guys all the time, there's things that I've told them we're going to do that have completely slipped my mind, that I've, right. I've just forgot about. It's not intentional, and if they remind me, we, we try and make it happen. Can you share what it was that they yeah, didn't absolutely. meet their promise with? A- absolutely. So. Um, so when I went in, uh, when I had the sit down and everything, um, I wanted to make sure I had everything in writing because I ended, um, a couple of years ago, I ended up taking a break from the shop that I was at for 14 years and I, and I went to another shop and <laughs> it, it sounds like I jumped all over the place, but I really, honestly, you know, I, I hate change. I hate jumping shop to shop, but you know, again, there was, there was promises made and stuff that, that didn't hold up. So this time I was like, I'm going to do things differently and, and I need to get things in writing. Uh, so one of the things was, uh, that I wanted was, Obviously, it's flat rate, but I wanted a, a guarantee, a hybrid system. You know, I, I at least know I'm going to be bringing this home. You know, mm-hmm. w- whether that's let's say a 30 hour guarantee, um, and but at that time I was I was flagging you know 80 to 100 hours a week. So I'm like, you know, just give me give me something little. You know, a, a, just that way I know I'm at least going to make this because I'm driving all the way across town. My clientele is 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 on the other side of town, so I don't have the the following like I like I did at this other location. Um, so it was, it was the hybrid system, which they held up to the, the, um, the pay structure as far as that. Uh, the other was I wanted to be able to sit down and have a sit down once a month and go over, you know, things that, that we can, that I see that we can like help change or, uh, um, you know, how to make things run smoother. And that was one of the reasons why this company wanted to bring me on is because they wanted me to, 
uh, bring them up to speed, you know, get into the programming, getting in, um, you know, possibly getting into the ADOS systems, getting in, you know, moving, moving this company into the next level. And so these monthly sit downs that lasted January, I started in uh, January 1st, uh, two, two years ago, and it lasted January, February, and March. And then after March, there was no more sit downs. Uh, so that was, you know, during that same time, they were uh, opening up two more locations up in Phoenix and stuff, which I understand you get busy and everything else. Uh, but then it just became, instead of bringing it up like, oh, hey, I, I forgot and stuff this month, then it just became, uh, we're just not going to do it. But during these sit downs, you know, I wanted to look at, the PLs. I think it I think it's huge for for a technician and maybe not complete, you know, show everything, but it, I think it's smart for a technician to see kind of the business end of things too as far as look, you know, we charge let's say $150 an hour uh, flat, you know, um an hour. That doesn't mean that, you know, the shop owners like your guys yourself are raking in all this money and stuff because there, there's the electric, the lights, the, the, the mortgage, you know, all these payments that it leaves pennies at the end of the, you know, at the end of that $150 that, that technicians don't see. Um, so to, to, to show like, look, this is, this is everything that, that costs the money, the, the P and L's, uh, just, just, I guess being completely transparent on the business end, at least that's what I wanted for, for myself, because that's what this company wanted me to, to, um, to do with them. So it wasn't just me going in like, Hey, look, I want to look at your P and L's and this is what I need to, in order to come here. This is something that they suggested to me. And I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, yeah, it makes me feel that I'm Actually part of the be team. Part of the, yeah. Be part yeah. of the, the business. Exactly. It makes you feel that, that you have, um, they have stake in the game that you're not just a number. You're not just an employee. How I felt at my previous shop where, you know, I was just a number out of, uh, they wanted to have 500 stores in, in a matter of five years. So, you know, of course I'm just, I'm just a number who's Cody. Um, while with this company, I felt like, man, we can really take this into the next level and, and really, man, just make this some of these shops that I see, like, <laughs> like your guys's, you know, just something that to be proud of. And, you know, so that was, that was one of the the things that, that got let down. And, um, so the monthly sit downs, the P and L's, um, what else was it? Uh, oh, uh, in the fourth quarter, we were going to talk about the, the ADOS systems, look into that and stuff. And, and as far as, uh, cause we had a location up in Phoenix that has a perfect, uh, they have a shop behind their shop that has no bays or anything else. And even though it wasn't going to be at my location, they wanted me to help set it up and stuff and, and get it, get the ball rolling on that. And they didn't know the first place to, to turn to, to get started on that. Well, with my contacts and everything else, I was like, you know, I can definitely lend a hand on this. Um, I can get you in touch with the right people. We can get this taken care of. Uh, that was another thing that was just honestly never talked about again. I know it's a huge expense. Um, but I also know that there, there's, there's a market for it. If, especially in Phoenix, um, you, you know, and, and it's not, it was, it was these things, um, you know, the other thing I, you know, I'm thankful that I, that I got it in writing and that I had that hybrid guarantee because, you know, I went from the shop that, man, I was, I was usually the, the highest guy in the company as far as flagging hours to now I just went to this other company and I feel like 
I just started all over. I couldn't break 20 hours a week. And right, right. I, I'm, so what, what's going on? You know, so, so it's not completely about money, but man, if I didn't ask for that guarantee and I went in there and I was just on the hybrid pay, oh man, I, I don't even know. Well, want to know what I would have made last year. What caused yeah. the dip? Yeah. Oh, what caused the dip? It, it, yeah. Man, this, this shop. So where I was at before it's, it's, it's all volume, you know, um, yeah. we'll see, uh, 30, 40 cars a day, um, Saturdays, you know, anywhere from 45 to 50 cars and you know, this other location they'll, they, they'll do appointments and it's, you know, out of like four technicians, they'd book like six appointments. Um, so it, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't the fast paced, um, which was nice in a sense because everybody wants their car done, you know, uh, it, it was the, just the business, this, um, the flow, the structure, trying the getting the stuff sold took, took weeks. Um, I, I, I don't weeks? know. I mean, did you say uh, weeks? Weeks, absolutely weeks. I mean, we take it, hours I, sometimes, and it's like, hey, come on, man, what's going well, on? And here? that's that's just it. Our our parking lot, you know, we had a we had a big area in the back where we'd park all the vehicles and stuff, and it would just be full, and it's full of cars. You know, there's thousands of dollars of money sitting there, of potential money sitting there, of work to be sold, um, but it's not sold yet, and it's it's been weeks if not months and and that's just i i don't um it, that was that was definitely very frustrating um so, so you would say that poor shop management is as much an issue as pay yeah oh, hold on hold on i'm curious about the shop that had customers coming in and allowing their vehicles to sit not that I don't have one or two, because, you know, projects. But for <laughs> to have an entire parking lot full of vehicles that aren't moving. I wondered the same thing. I still wonder the same thing. <laughs> How do they come back? I mean, the, the customer at some point is going to go, I could probably find a shop that can do this in, you know, half the time, oh. a third of the time. Same yeah. day. Right. Next well, and day. it wasn't. I don't know if they just weren't on them as far as, you know, trying to get the the work sold within a timely manner or anything, but you pretty much knew that after you wrote something up, you know, uh, if it's a break job or whatever, you, you pretty much, you put it back together and, and pull it out and pull something else in. That's if there's more work for you. Um, just, just knowing that, you know, it's gonna, it's just a process. And, uh, you know, they also had the rental, uh, not the, you're going to have to PM me these people's names. I'm interested in finding out what marketing that they're, they're doing <sighs> to, to keep these customers coming in. You're saying they're expanding too. Then to mention that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They were, uh, opening up two more locations up in Phoenix and everything. And, and uh, like I guess, so I don't, this is you know, fascinating to me. Hold on for a second. Let's not get off this point here. Cause I'm <laughs> <interested. Hold on. laughs> so I just want to make sure I'm clear here. So these people are marketing, however they're marketing to these customers, to the point where they've expanded to to several locations with the process, the specific process of bringing in X amount of cars a day and then letting the cars sit there while they, you know, get around to selling the work and then maybe getting the work out the door. Did everything just sit under, you know, waiting for authorization or? Yep. 
that absolutely. So, so we were using the digital video or digital inspections and, yeah. you know, so the program and everything, man, I would have a computer screen filled with, with, you know, waiting for authorization, waiting for authorization, waiting for authorization that it's just, uh, I mean, even, even when I left, um, when I left there, there was probably five or six cars that were still under my name that, you know, half of them were torn apart. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, I, that's I, crazy. You know, that's interesting. It, it I, is. It's crazy. And I can't I put my finger crazy, on, but like, I don't know. Cause if it's a waiting for the authorization, you've presented the work and I mean, I I'll let the vehicle sit. If we've done everything we're supposed to do. So we, we get the vehicle in, we inspect it. We quote out, we quote everything up. We send it to the customer. We have conversation. I know a lot of shops will, the shops with, with owners that have boats, they make sure they get the, the sale closed. Like, let's get this rolling. Let's get this done today, tomorrow, whatever. Um, for the most part, these people need their cars. So I never have to put that kind of pressure on my customers. I, like they need their car back. Like how yeah. they want to know how fast it's not even how much it's like, how long do I have to wait? Yep. And especially now with the stimmy money out, it, it's, it's like, how fast can I get my car back? I don't care what it costs. Just do it all. I need this car back. And e- even if, even if they were sending everything out, eventually you do run out of work. Like you're saying you're flagging 20 hours when you were doing 80 before. I mean, they've ran out of work, sold work. Yeah. Yep. And if we, we're getting close to that point now, if the car's sitting, especially if the car's sitting in my shop, I'm making phone calls. Like, what are we doing here? Like, do I need to get you financed? The vehicle can't, can't be driven. What, what do we need to do? And then we're having that conversation with the customer to push the process along. But I, I don't know. I'd, I don't know that I would get to the point where, okay, my guy's going to stand around. I mean, unless I just ran out of everything, which well, does and happen. It, and it does. And, you know, so one of the things that I, that I liked about the business model was, uh, this new shop had, I think, um, either seven or eight, uh, loaner cars and, you know, and what was, presented ah, to there me. it goes right yep, there. Yep. So, and, and trust the me, Lucas and I thought quantity of, of, uh, uh how many uh, do you have uh, Lucas? Uh, five, six. I'm like, maybe no, so. you do not. Don't lie. I thought you had eight. Oh, I, well, I uh, right, but one got wrecked. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah, that means he has twelve. Yeah, so he's saying um, eight. That means twelve. I don't know. I, I'll give you the login to the loaner software. Just log in <laughs> and take a look. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my title for my for my fourth and no, yeah, fourth and fifth. So I I, I just I I, I can't. I can't. I know this is completely else. like unhelpful to anybody other than me asking about these inane questions. I apologize. No, I, apologize no, I, I just can't wrap like, my head around this. What's that? I can't wrap what's my head. Cra- Look, you want to run a slow paced operation. I run a slow paced operation. Uh, Cody, I'll be a hundred percent transparent. I do. I don't get into a rush to do anything unless the customer's like pressing. Right. And they need their car back, but uh, and or or money is getting tight, like cash flow is drying up, and I'm like, eh, I got a bill or two coming up, I got to pay for, you know, it's like, hey, let's get this moving. Um, so I'm calling the customer, or I'm pressing the text, say, hey, I need to get this out the door, I got bills coming up, whatever. If that's not the case, it, it's whatever, like you know take your time. I don't get upset about it. You know, everybody's kind of lottie dying 
about their day, except for one tech who's running around feels, you know, unproductive is what he tells me. I feel unproductive. But for the most part, it's, you know, I don't press. It's fine. I'm okay with it because I'm not worried about the money. Like, you know, Lucas will call me. It's like, I wish we had done X amount of dollars. We could have had a record month. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I can't relate to that. I'm like, I mean, I used to do that back in the day when it was like, but now I'm like, yeah, that's just like more paperwork for me. You know, that's like a higher tax bill. I got to calculate, you know, like I don't care. Like it's whatever to me. The bills are paid. I'm paid. The checks are paid. The bills are, you know, it's whatever. So I, mean, I, I kind of understand that, but here's the here's the catch. Here's the caveat. I'm not opening up a second, third, or fourth location. One I do not want to. But if if those were my aspirations, I couldn't operate my shop the way I operate it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like now I have to try. I have to put like real effort into it. Like I have to go in and go, hey, what's my payroll percentage look like? I'm a little like I'm heavy on payroll right now, but that just you know, lets me do other things. So I'm okay with that. It's okay spending the extra payroll. But if if I would needed to run leaner so I could, you know, put more money in the bank and therefore be able to open that second or third or fourth location, like I, I couldn't operate my shop the way I do now. It, it's just, but you're telling me these people are doing it. They're living the dream. They're doing it super slow and to their own pace, but also getting second and third locations. These people are unicorns. Well, and, and I can't say, so, uh, the other location that was, that's, that's here in town, um, they, they would do some, some stellar numbers. Uh, our location, just not so much. Um, the, the, the other location is the original location and everything. So, uh, so I don't know if, if it, maybe that makes more sense then. Oh, well, I'm still intrigued though. I'm, I'm over here. Like, you know, I guess the technician in me is trying to figure out what's wrong with their business. Um, I, I am trying to do a testing routine within. Well, he's saying that four technicians and he's getting six cars in the door. I mean, that's just not enough cars. Right. Two technicians, six cars is okay. So if your AROs in line, that's, that's not bad, but yeah, we run three cars a day per tech. So, yeah. I mean, at the most, at the very, very most. And and at that, we're booked But how, what's your build hours per weeks. RO? Uh, five or six, depending on what the week looks like. You should know this number. You don't want to say. Okay, four and a half. <laughs> okay, well, there happy. you go. <laughs> but but it, it will run up to five or six. Let's look. I, I honestly don't want to write this minute. We're going to go look. Um, But th- three seems like in my shop, if I've got three per per day per tech that keeps us humping you know we're we're moving um it's enough to process and we'll sell enough work on we won't sell everything on every car but we'll sell enough on three or four cars that it justifies having all nine in there and it you know it pays the bills um so i mean that that seems to be a sweet spot but we don't hit nine every single day it'll sometimes be seven and then my service advisor will freak out and it'll turn into three uh, because we're backlogged. Right now we're backlogged with sold work. Uh, we've got enough work to go two weeks without getting another car in the door and we'll still have work. Yeah. And I will say, so the difference between those two companies, obviously the one is, I like to refer to it as like the company I was at for 14 years. Like it was the McDonald's of the automotive industry. Cause they just yeah. wanted to turn and burn. Like I said, I mean, it was, it was nothing to for myself. Uh, I mean, 
I, I'd get handed seven, eight cars a, a day at eight o'clock in the morning. And yeah. then continued to, you know, here, do this oil change and then do this. And then, you know, that was just the drivability work or diagnostic work and stuff that I had. Uh, so man, I, I, I'm used to working out of three bays and then cars behind the three bays behind that. And, and I'm used to, used to having multiple things going on at one time. And it, it kept, kept me busy. It kept my, my mind active. And when I was at work, man, don't even really talk. Like I I'm just focused on work. I wouldn't eat, you know, I, I was there to, to, to work. Uh, so being told, you know, about See, this like, I can't even relate to that. I mean, I understand that, but lunch is an event at our shop. It's everybody <laughs> walking around for 30 minutes asking, where are you going? I don't know. Where are you going? I don't know. What do you feel like? I don't know. Let's get some, and of course my, my thing's fried chicken. So I'm like, ah, oh, let's go get some chicken sandwiches. And then fried everybody goes and then we're all sitting and eating and nobody's eating together. We're not talking to each other. We're just very focused on our food. Uh, oh, but after I eat, I'm ready for a nap. And that, so I, I don't have enough, you know, I have too much work to take a nap. So I'm like, man, I need to get this stuff done. I can't slow down. So I'll eat at the end of the day. And I'm still like that, even being mobile and stuff. So being, being told that, you know, this is a different kind of shop and and it's not as fast a pace and everything. It was, it was kind of a selling point to me at the beginning because I I mean, first of all, like I said, it's not always about money. Um, you know, I wanted, I didn't, I beat myself, I beat my body up for 14 years. Like you know, bad. It it took a toll on me and made me age as far as, you know, with back issues and everything else that if I keep going on that same pace, I don't, I'm not going to be 60 years old, still standing upright. Uh, yeah. So, so I had to think about the future and stuff and you know what, maybe it is, you know, it is taking, you know, not making as much, but making still a decent salary and, uh, you know, not working as fast a pace and it has the loaner car. So you don't have to do the, the motor in one day and transmission at the same, on the same day and then do the time and change. Then they all have to be done today. Uh, you know, it takes, takes some pressure off of you. Uh, but then go in there and realizing that, yeah, there's absolutely no pressure. It, it was, it was too relaxed. And, and I would have been like, your. I was running around that shop, like, like your technician <laughs> saying, yeah. I, I just feel, I unproductive. feel unproductive. Yeah. Here, so, here's so then, the difference though. Like <laughs> I, I pay my guys salary. So they make the same regardless of the amount of work they put out. Um, which does allow for a more relaxed environment, at least like they don't need to feel pressure to get that car yeah. done, which does hurt the numbers sometimes. I mean, they just, they could get that car out the door today if they pushed, um, but they don't. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> but, but sometimes when you're pushing is when, when things happen that yeah, things go sideways, five, that's exactly. my justification for it, by the way, I'm like, well, They'll make mistakes if I push, but nah, that's not it. The mistakes still happen. They they still do. Then you get relaxed if you're not pushing, and and stupid mistakes will happen then too. So yes. it's it's hard. Wasn't I bitching about that to you, Lucas? You, you listen. You bitch about. I bitch about much. everything. I know. <laughs> I don't. So I, know. <laughs> I have one tech who will. He's he's unbelievably talented, and he's done everything. So everything's easy to him. And everything's a little too easy for him. So he gets a little relaxed, a little too relaxed about, you know, I don't know, tightening things up. And he just, you know, he, he takes a little too long, gets a little too relaxed, a little lackadaisical about his processes, and he misses things. 
And of course he gets crap about it afterwards. And we have a discussion and this, that, and the other, it turns into a whole thing, but it's, it's because it's like, yeah, it's not a challenge for him anymore. And so he doesn't have to put as much effort into it where my other techs, they've never done that before. And so they, they're concentrating. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So one of the big things that keeps getting thrown up is that flat rate is killing our industry. <sighs> and, and is it true? Is that really what's causing all of the text problems? It's is all it Mike really Allen's fault. So, he's not going to know this. This is 47 minutes into this podcast. He's not going to know. I'm calling him out. Mike Allen, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me just let me just say one thing. As far as is flat rate killing it? Oh, man. Um, yes. Uh, flat rate is not killing it if you're a, a B technician and you're banging out shock struts, alignments, tires, whatever it may be. And you can, you can burn the hours. You can turn these hours. You can burn them. Um, flat rate is, is awesome. Okay. Now let's say you become a, a, a level technician and now you're getting, you're not getting the shocks and the struts and the brakes and, and you know, the three hour tickets you can get done in 45 minutes. You're getting the, the car that's been to four shops, uh, that they can't figure out. And here's an hour, figure it out. Okay. So I already know I'm going to lose, lose my ass because there's already parts that have been replaced. Uh, and I'm sure there's more issues now because it's, it's been in four other hands. Uh, you know, so, so then you become a, a drivability tech and, and focus just on diagnostics. Can you still beat the flat rate hour? Yes. But if I looked at my hours over the last 10 years, um, when I was just pretty much a, a parts hanger, and, and I made the shop a lot of money. You know, you can see my hours change year by year. Once I started realizing the, the importance of the diagnostics and being the, the sole uh, diagnostician in the shop, because I want to be 100% confident in, in each one of my calls. I'm not one to just pull codes and be like, Hey, it needs a map sensor or, uh, you know, I don't do that. So I, I learn, I go to get my education to learn more on diagnostics and, 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 to properly diagnose these systems. And it's not a super, you know, it, you, you can't, you can't take a, a one hour diagnostic and, and make the same kind of money as you could throw in shocks and struts. You just, you just can't, you hope that you can get the work out of it. Uh, but if you're getting thrown eight cars just for drivability, uh, you know, I got to a point that I wasn't even doing any of the repair work I because I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up because I was doing every single diag that was coming through the shop, which I loved that. But you could see my hours go down each year. I still, you know, I still flat instead of, let's say 80 hours uh, a week, you know, now I'm doing uh, 60 hours a week. Well, that's still a pay, you know, that's still a pay cut. So as I get smarter and the more, more I know as far as on diagnostics and to uh, fully diagnose these systems, the less I make. Well, so here, here, I'm, I'm going to stop you and say this. So we, we talked about this recently on another podcast. And and I, I think there again, this comes back to shop management, right? Because in, in our shop, um, the only rule is, is you have to stop before you get to one hour and come let us know we need to add additional testing. Oh, uh, okay. Now, I'll, let's, yeah, we'll get into this. So yeah, keep going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If there's a situation, <laughs> if there's a situation where we have um, a big issue and, you know, and, and my guys are paid for 40 hours and then they get bonuses based on the hours they turn. Um, so, so they're paid for every hour they're here. They're, 
you know, I think it's a, a very fair wage. Um, but so my point is, is that if, if, as long as the shop can remain profitable in doing that testing, right? So, so in the past couple of episodes, we've talked about the fact why do techs stay at shops who wouldn't pay them for that time? Why do shops or, or why do techs stay in cruddy shops? I mean, what, how does that work? Why does that keep happening? Why are they not just packing up and going to a shop that pays training and going to a shop that has some form of benefits, going to a shop that has culture, cares about their people, going to a shop? Because, I mean, there's tons of them out there. You well, look I'm yet, ASOC, I've there yet to find tons one of them out there. Locally, the, dude, there anyway. are tons of them. There no, are and trust me, I, I I get it and seeing, you know, being on uh, networking with 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 you guys and everything else and seeing that there are there are tons. And I honestly thought I was taking the step in the right direction by going to this other shop and everything. And oh, and that was another thing. Uh, uh, They're going to pay for training to go to Super Saturday. Obviously, that didn't happen this last year. But that was another thing that was was said that was uh, that they would take care of. But it was honestly never brought up after um so wait a minute are you coming to ast that, that's probably the biggest question <laughs> i need to know right now you're coming to ast right i mean it's that simple i mean it's just a yes it, that's all <laughs> uh i i just attended vision um i i need to see i well now i need to talk to my boss and and see so <laughs> which is myself now so um right Right. I, well, so I, no excuses. I mean, I'm just going to take that as a yes. I mean, look, it's a great training event. All of you. Oh, I trust will be me. There, I, you know. I want to go to every single one that I possibly can. Obviously, now that you know, I'm forking the bill for every single it's one of person. them. See, and that that's huge. Because yeah, I'll tell know, you what, right? the vision was the not difference. the same. It does because vision I'm, was I'm not sure my first vision experience job, this but... year. Being being on online was. It was, I was not uh, excited about it and I was, didn't participate in the classes. I, I watched the classes afterwards as far as the recordings. Um, yeah. I, I just, it was yeah, not. You lose uh, quite, quite a bit. You lose quite it, a bit you, not you having do. it in person. Yeah. You do. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited about, uh, you know, uh, you know, being in person training, coming back and everything. That's, that's huge. And I really do want to make it to, um, ASTE. Is, is it going to be this year? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm going to have to see the funds and, and time off or whatever, obviously trying to get my business built up to a point to where I can start taking some time off and, and taking advantage Absolutely. of those kind of things. So uh, you, you said that you, you had, uh, a reply at least because that that ends oh, up gosh. on the flat rate thing because that yeah. that was Mike Allen's pitch. He said, "Look, we're we're flat rate and it all depends on good shop management." It, it in, does. in other words, so he's got his guys and they're flagging, you know, a, a ton of hours for him and he's doing really well. But he's he has a ton of confidence in his in his service advisors to sell the work, sell the additional testing time whatever it is that they need to make sure that his guys are getting 40 plus and it's really 50 plus is what he's looking for. Right. And they're there. However many hours are there, but he wants those guys well compensated. And so he, he knows he can't lose out on, on diagnostic time and it, it's gotta be profitable. Otherwise they're not going to bother. And like Lucas is saying, you know, it's a, Hey, stop at 45 minutes and then come talk to me. Yep. Do we need additional testing time? What's the, what's the problem with that? Okay. So the company I was at for 14 years, um, they, this ever since the day I started there and, and I started there, like I said, I was sweeping and mopping the floors. I, I was lucky to be at starting out as a tech and not a GS. I was just probably 
a hair away from, I should have been a GS. But anyway, I, 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 you know, grew within the company and everything and built a name for myself. That whole time I was at the company, they, everything was, everything was an hour. First of all, they could not put two, uh, like a level two or a level three diagnostics onto a ticket. It was just one diag was all that was, was, um, what the computer program would allow them to add to a ticket. So if it comes in with an airbag an ABS, uh, you know, a transmission slipping, um, and a misfire, uh, obviously that that's not covered under the one hour diagnostics. So what I would do is I would go up to my service manager and, you know, because, that hour goes by real quick. And, and what system do you want me to diagnose? And his answer would be like, lady wants all the lights off. Okay. Um, you understand that there's these 13 codes in here, six or seven of these codes aren't even pertaining to the same, same thing. Uh, I understand things can overlap and everything else, but this isn't going to be covered under a one, one hour diagnostics. So we need to call the customer. Nope. Just, just go ahead and fix it. I'll pay you. Okay. So he would come up to me. What do you, what do you need? Three, four hours? I tell him, let's say, let's start out at a level three or, you know, three hours. He would not call the customer and sell that additional time. What he would do is pay me that time, not charge the customer that time, charge the customer that one hour, let's say it's a hundred dollars, uh, and pay me on the back end coupon my, you know, what I did off that ticket at the end. So the customer thinks that any customer that comes to the door thinks that, you know, it doesn't matter how many lights I have on may have never, you know, uh, I, I've had this check engine light on for 10 years and now I have 30 codes in the system, a hundred dollars and they can fix this car. And oh, that upsets me. That that's, that's <laughs> not, that's not the case. So, so then when I was getting ready to leave and we talked about, you know, and I, and, uh, the CEO of the company was like, well, look, you know, diagnostics and what you do for this shop is only 10% of, uh, of, you oh know, no! <laughs> yeah. So, so he tell he tells me that, and I was like, and I told him, I was like, okay. So let me ask you another question. How much was couponed off last month? He's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? I was like, no. And ask. I'm curious. How much was couponed off last month? He was. He looks. He's like, geez, twenty thousand dollars. Twenty thousand dollars. Okay. You know how much of that is multiple diags that you know on these on these cars. But here's the thing, your guys' computer system, you can't put more than one diagnostic on there. So you're not even coming at me and telling me what I'm profit or what I'm doing for this shop. It's not, it's not real numbers. Well, so, <laughs> you know, a, a couple things and, and I'll explain the way we do it in, in our shop is, is we say we're going to do a level one testing routine and 90% of all cases, we're able to determine the cause or causes of your concern. In that other 10% of cases, we do have to come back just like you would if you went to a doctor's office, you fell, you hurt your arm, you go to the doctor's office, he looks at your arm and says, I can tell that it's abrased, I, I can see these bruises, but I need to do an x-ray to find out if your arm's broken, right? Additional test. I said, the only difference is I'm going to be nice about it. I'm going to tell you how much that test is before I bill you for it. And I'm going to get your authorization to, to leave you in control of this process the entire time. And so the technician goes out and he looks at the vehicle. He brings me a brief of data. Here's what we've got. Here's the trouble codes. Here's what I'm thinking. Now, I have got a technician who is um, learning the testing and inspection uh, arena. And we will give him additional time and let him kind of 
as David would call it, pokey time. Uh, um, but you know, some time to <laughs> some time to uh, to play with the car a little bit and and get a grasp and get some understanding and and let him have that experience. But in the same respect, once you get to a point that you say I can't go any further. He's coming to me and he's saying, okay, I need to do a fuel pressure test. I need to do a compression test. I need to do, right? Okay, how long is a fuel pressure test going to take? Well, it's going to take me half an hour. Okay, well, and and we go back to the client and we explain each one of the things that we need to do, the results that we expect. This is going to be a good result. This is going to be a bad result. And, and we have to check this to determine if this is good. And the client can say yes or no. That's their choice. We're leaving them in control of the process. But I'm not doing it for free. And, and, and that in my mind is one of the key issues with our industry right now is that we're not showing our clients how important and how much work and how much knowledge it takes to obtain this information. They think we're plugging a tool up to it and saying, right. I went through that. I'm still waiting to buy that tool. So um. (laughs) do me too. (laughs) Me too. Brandon Dill said he was selling it and, Turns out he's a liar. Um, (laughs) You know, so I mean, I I think that so much of this is solved with a simple process. But so many shop owners are really afraid of this. No, they are. They absolutely are. And and I think they're afraid of it because what if? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're trying to you're trying to pivot here on this conversation. Don't pivot away from the conversation. One, I'm not pivoting. You're pivoting. You're pivoting. Hold, hold on, hold on. One, I hate level one, level two. I hate that. I absolutely hate it. We're going to do a level. Oh, ah, ah, no. One, two. Um, uh, is that a let's level go two? Back to this, let's go back to this flat rate <laughs> thing. Is, is that a viable way to handle things, Cody, in your mind? That's why we have you on. We want to see your opinion on this. Is that a is that a uh, a good um, reasonable solution to the flat rate and diag conundrum? As far uh, as what Lucas just mentioned, yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and oh, I didn't want you th- to say that. I wanted an argument here. <laughs> no, but that's exactly what it is, and that that's because you know Lucas obviously got educated. I'm sure. I, I mean, if, if you came up with that yourself, then, then more power to you, Lucas, but I would guarantee oh, gosh, no. you went to training and everything else and, and learn that. And that's where, you know, what I was saying at the beginning of the, the conversation is, or the podcast was, you know, it shouldn't just be the text technicians going to these trainings and stuff. There's this kind of useful information out there that, you know, teaching the service writers, the value of of the the diagnostics and what's involved. If you're just going to coupon it off, how does that make me look? Um, how yeah. does that make the shop look? It makes it look like like we don't know what the heck we're doing when I have you know a hundred thousand dollars worth of just diagnostic equipment. That's not including one wrench that I pay for, and you're going to coupon it off. I mean, yes, I still get paid, but that how does that look to the customer? I. It, if you sell it to the customer and, you, and just like selling anything else, you're, you're selling a service and you're selling, you know, we need to do a fuel pressure test. We need to do a compression test. If you keep, if you were completely transparent with the customer and you're telling them how in depth and, and, and everything that these systems are, man, more power to you. And, and it brings, it shows the value of why they are paying that diagnostic fee. And it's not just plugging in a tool and it's, it's not doing X, Y, and Z. It's, 
you know, it can take 45 minutes just, just looking up service information, description yeah. and operation, learning how the system works if it's something you've never worked on before. Yeah, that's. I guess that's why, why I don't like the whole level one, level two, level three. Like every single, almost every single problem is going to get eaten up by looking up TSBs, looking up theory of operation, figuring out, pulling the Dwyer diagram, pulling codes. What, what are you at? 45 minutes at that point? Yeah. So you know, what, what is it really that you're going to, to tell the customer? It's like, well, we looked up, you know, TSB theory operation after we pulled codes and we saw sort of the, the game plan, what we need to do from here on out. I, I understand there's certain systems that you can do that with. If you've got a simple like heater circuit problem on an O2 sensor, you're not going to charge $200 or two hours. Let's say that I'm going to put a dollar amount to it, but you're not, you're not going to charge two hours diagnostic time on that. It's one heater circuit code. Like you should be able to figure that out in forty-five minutes. Even the most, I don't know, yeah. the sophisticated heater circuits aren't that complicated. You should be able to diagnose it pretty quickly. But in situations where there are multiple codes and multiple systems involved, why not break it down into testing? For yep. the most part, average misfire testing time is whatever two hours, and two hours at your diagnostic rate. So that's what you tack onto the ticket. And you say, hey, looks like you've got a misfire or the car's shaking like it has a misfire. Let's get you pre-approved for this type of testing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do A, B, C, D, and E. We're going to take pictures of everything so you're going to see exactly what we're doing. And then we're going to make our recommendations based off that testing. Yep. I, I, I like that. And and that is that is something that I ended up bringing up to um, – to my, to one of the shops that I worked at or the last shop that I worked at was, uh, you know, cars come in with, uh, with no communication issues that that shouldn't start out at, at a level. Sorry. I keep, I know I keep saying it, but it doesn't come, come <laughs> it out to the, a, to the yeah, one. You shouldn't say that level one, you've got no comms like, Hey, yeah. this is going to be an issue. This is going to be difficult. Like this isn't going to be exactly. a two hour. Uh, it, it may not even be a two hour. At the same time though, if you've got a good diagnostician, you know, they they can probably knock it out in two hours. I mean, okay, he's going to go into the topography, he's going to start pulling modules, and, you know, he, very, he's going to scope the chain lines very quickly, and he's going to start pulling modules and say, boop, 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 yeah, I found the module that's pulling the whole system down, uh, this thing's boop, boop. Let, let's, okay, but let's say that, um, let's say it's just a standard three hours for, like, a no-com issue, uh, you know, and you have... You can discount it at that point. I'm okay pulling the, yeah, hey, we found this thing on 45. No, I, we don't, I never give time, but okay, hey, but, we were able to find this thing pretty quickly. Okay, but on that same note, you just, okay, the guy that's been doing it for 20 years and he was able to figure it out in 45 minutes on this complex network uh, that has, you know, 30-something, it's nothing to have 30 modules and stuff anymore, let's say. Uh, I guarantee his first time that he ever he ever did that it did not take him forty five minutes. So here's the thing: I could do three. Yeah, you know, we got I could spend forty five minutes worth. I can do <laughs> spend forty five minutes worth of um, work doing shocks and struts and make make three hours. Uh, but if I figure out this this complex no com issue in forty five minutes, why am I not getting paid the three hours? Because I guarantee it went to anybody else. They wouldn't have been able to figure it out in forty five minutes. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a bad look. example. I'm, I'm mostly talking about like, hey, this thing was unplugged. I fixed it. Right. No, well, and I get it? that. Um, oh, but that's it? where the flat rate I feel is, you know, if you're a parts hanger, it's awesome. If you're a diagnostician, man, I, I, see, now that I'm mobile, 
I'm showing up to the shops. I'm the last resort. You know, they, they've thrown parts at it. They've, they, they have nowhere to turn. Um, I showed up the other day and it was a relay figured it out in, in, in less than an hour or less than 30 minutes, actually. Yeah. Uh, so less well, than that's 30 what minutes. Matt Scundrich was screaming about in the last podcast, one of the last few episodes. He was screaming about it. It's like, hey, it's yeah, it's, it's two hundred and fifty dollars for him to even touch the car because he knows every single car that he's going to look at has been parts cannoned and yeah. molested to no end, and so he knows this is going to turn into a cluster. Oh, listen, you come to my shop and you tell me it's been in another shop or two other shops or your boyfriend or your boyfriend's uncle or your uncle's boyfriend. <laughs> my other it. mechanic. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you right then, I, it is automatically, listen, we're going to start with some testing. It's probably going to be in the neighborhood of $400. Yeah. What? Yeah. And I think, yes, no, I think that's, <laughs> that is you mentioning that. And I think I've, I heard that somewhere else. I don't know if it's Carm's podcast or not, but, uh, he said the same thing. And that is something that I mentioned to, to my last shop and, you know, they started doing it and it did, uh, it did help cause it helped weed out some of the, um, you know, the riffraff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what's the, and, and here's, here's the problem though. The other issue here I have with flat rate, uh, it, you know, you've mentioned the diac time, which I guess can be mitigated to some degree with, with the way Lucas does things. And I, I think Mike Allen does a very similar setup, right? I, my other issue with flat rate though, is that it does essentially reward that type of work. The shock struts breaks, yep. banging it out as quickly as possible. You have to go at a certain pace and I guess if you're, you know, super fit and, you know, it's maybe part of your workout, <laughs> you're just going to be doing this daily. Um, that's fine, but it does take a toll on your body. Just like you're saying for at 14 years later, you know, your body's aged significantly and that you're having back problems now and stuff. And that that's going to be true of almost everybody. So long-term because, you know, somebody comes to work for me. Like how much growth within the company, like they can't get promoted to anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you going to get promoted to? I mean, I guess I could expand and then we'll have maybe a shop manager or shop foreman or whatever, maybe, but I have no aspirations to own a second shop. So they come to work for me for the work environment and my commitment to them as skilled, skilled tradesmen. I want to invest in you. I want you to become the best technician you can possibly be. That's why you come work for me. And I like tools as well. So it's fun to me to go buy some new piece of equipment and play with it and hit the buttons and see what it does. And so th those are all perks of coming to work for me, but you're never going to get promoted, right? Because there's nowhere to go. I mean, right. But they're all welcome to buy the shop. Any, any time they want to come buy the shop for me, they just need to bring me a piece of paper. I will sign. Bring me my half honey bun. We're good to go. They can take it. Aside from that, what's the appeal in going to work at a flat rate shop? E even if it does have, you know, maybe two locations like Mike Allen has, maybe he gets a third location. It's like, well, maybe I'll be shop foreman. Maybe. Uh, if they even set up a structure like that. Uh What's the, what's the benefit of being flat rate? You'll make a ton of money until your body breaks down at 45 or 48. At some point, the body's going to break, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you can't work at that pace. What are they going to do with you? 
Yeah. So we're in. What do you think they're going to do with you? That that's there's going to be a younger gun coming there's in. There's going to be a younger guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, Some younger guys. And he's going to be less. And he's going to be less. He's going to be less per hour. So man, it's just a win-win. Hey, buddy, we don't need you anymore. You're kind of a you know. You're yeah, like you're breaking old, down old playboy and all of a sudden, anymore. You're, yeah, you're no good absolutely. anymore. <laughs> so what's what what's the what's the appeal? Like, yeah, you'll make a ton of money, dude. I hope you're really good at saving it. Because you're gonna be you're gonna yep. have to either move into a different field entirely. So all you're gonna take all that knowledge and all that experience and go somewhere else, go work at a part store or go work at, in some other field because yep. your body can't physically take the toll every single day. So, so what's the appeal in working at that pace? Even if it's for 15, 20 years, what's the appeal? Like, what's the end game here? Okay. So, so, you know, 15, 15, 20 years ago, uh, I, I thought flat rate was, was awesome. Um, you know, because I was hanging parts and, and everything else. And, and it now fast forward to where I'm at now and, it, you know, truly diagnosing vehicles. I mean, the, the, sh- unfortunately like the shops even reward, you know, Give me an 80% guess. What do you think it is? A, a gas cap on, on a Diag or whatever. Like, if you don't know, let's just keep moving. Like, we'll throw some parts on it. That's obviously not the way I want to work or anything else. But, man, flat rate, you feel rewarded for, let's just turn and burn. You know, we'll, we'll figure yeah. it out if it, if it doesn't fix it. Uh, you know, my Identifix says 87 confirmed fixes on this. So, let's just throw this at it and, and hope it sticks. Um we all know that, and that it can, works like seventy percent of the time. So okay, and if it works seventy percent of the, the time, hey, that's still that's still passing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ASE testing that's still passing. So so you keep going with it, right? Um, you know, not until did I you know really go in depth uh, as far as diagnostics and and understanding systems and wanting to know how they function and and uh, knowing how how these systems work. It, yeah, it, unfortunately, we're in an industry that the older you get the less money you're going to make if, if it's flat rate and the older that you get, the, the, the less money or uh, yeah, the older you get, the less money you're going to make physically because you can't turn those kind of hours like you could 20 years before that. Uh, and then the more, you know, the less you make. So, so, so here you're the so there's diagnostician, the Lucas, there's the perception and that's Absolutely. reality. Like that's, that's a technician who's, who's put the time in and now has progressed into a different level of knowledge and experience and expertise saying, you know, I'm not, I can't hang struts all day at the pace that I could 20 years ago. Okay. So, so how, therefore I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a pay cut. So what does he do? He he goes and becomes a mobile diagnostician. He could be a fantastic tech working at a shop right now, but he's not. He well, has to go so, do his own thing. So I and and I completely agree. And 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 I I see that and I I struggle with that as well, right? That's definitely a problem you've got to figure out how to work through. And and especially with flat rate, that problem is is definitely worse. Um and so, you know. God, Eric's going to kill me. I have an older tech. <laughs> um, his hair is thinning. Um, he's What's definitely. Wrong with that? Hey, 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 hey. No, no, no. no Some no, of no, us no. lost but, our hair at 20. Yeah, my hair's gone. So this was 14 years <laughs> at my old shop. <laughs> I had hair. No, before. listen, you guys, you guys would have to he see He still has a thick this. head of beautiful flowing locks, Lucas does. And so he has no idea the struggle. Yeah, he does. Um, but, but, you know, so I guess my point is, is that, that, I, I don't know the answer to that. Right. And, and if you're going to maintain 
a production-based pay plan, that is going to be a result of it, right? And and that is something we will have to figure out a solution for. Um, so th- this is my, and I'm going to throw this out there to you, Cody. I, w- I want you to tell me what you think. So I've got I've got younger techs working for me. They're at least younger than me, right? Um, the the ones that want to learn and they want to grow and they want to progress, I don't want them to leave the field. I don't want them to stay technicians. We need good, smart, motivated, engaged technicians. So I need to keep them in the industry. But I also recognize that, again, there's nowhere to go to progress. So you have to tap into what it is that they're excited about. And so what I'm looking at is, one, let's put them on a a retirement plan. Let's make sure that they're socking money away into an IRA on the regular, because it doesn't take very much. Like, you know, I tell my guy 75 bucks a week. I pay him yeah. weekly. So you won't even notice it. But let's say that you're tight on on your budget and you're like, I can't give up 75 a week. Okay, let's figure this out. Let's sit down. Maybe it's a pay raise. Maybe, you know, we move around the, the exemption money on the tax bill to see if we can find a way to get $75 um, post-tax money into a retirement fund. So when you do turn 50 or 55, you really don't need to work. You'll have a million, million and a half, two million dollars in the bank ready to go uh, that you could live off of comfortably, right? So that's number one. Number two is again tapping into what it is that they're excited about. So for you, you're excited to do di- certain certain things within diagnostics, right? Or you mentioned ADOS. You're interested in ADOS. I had a tech come to me today and ask me about ADOS. He's like, we were doing. He worked at a at a semi place before, and he's like, we were doing calibrations, uh, and I, I was doing them for uh, the company that I worked for before. I'm interested in doing it here, and you know, we had a conversation about this thing's crazy expensive. I don't have the room, this, that, and the other. But maybe I take that conversation further. Let's figure out a way to keep you engaged. Let's figure out a way for you to maybe turn that into a side hustle that we can stem off of the business. I have one tech we're going to send to um, to a class to learn how to rebuild modules, to, to virginize them and get them ready to flash a second time again, maybe repair the circuit boards, whatever. Guy's totally into it. Okay, whatever. Let's buy the equipment. Let's buy the training. Let's put you through the classes. Go practice. Here's a bunch of dead modules. We picked up a hot air doodad thing today. He's going to start messing with it. Let's get them engaged there. Let's find ways to add additional streams of income for the technician and the business, and then eventually move into training, into sharing those years of knowledge and expertise down the line. So when they are turning 45, 50, 55, maybe that's not necessarily you know, hanging brakes and doing steering and suspension jobs. Maybe we do have somebody coming in cheaper, but this person is at least doing diagnostic work and providing additional revenue streams to the business that they can also benefit, you know, maybe a profit sharing program where we split it 50, 50, whatever. I don't know. That, that's but funny at least you said that because I have, I have that written down profit sharing growth. You know, it doesn't necessarily, what I was looking for as, as a technician, um, it doesn't need to be, Oh, I need to be the owner someday. No, just feel like I have, I have a, 
the skin in the game and, and profit share and 401k, everything that you're mentioning right now is, is all things that I was going to bring up. So keep going. I didn't want to cut you off, but that was, that was, no, I, and I I'm, and I'm spitballing here. I don't know. I, well, I've had, I've had the conversation with one of my techs that he, he has the mind at least to learn this, like get it, get really, really good at this thing. And I can absolutely sell his skills to other shops in my area, to other shops around the country. Like we can do this in the back of the shop. I've got space for it. We can set up a bench. You you can start just banging out modules all day long. And yeah, I mean, you're going to come out to the shop and help with diagnostic work, but I can find somebody who is going to be cheaper to hang brakes and do searing and suspension all day long. But this person that has gained all this knowledge doesn't need to leave the business because their body's broken down. They can find other ways to use their minds to help bring revenue to the business. Does that make sense? That, absolutely. No, what you're mentioning right now and why why couldn't he like how you're mentioning, you know, um, kind of subletting him out to other shops or whatever. Yeah. Why couldn't he be other shop? I, I, I'm sh- I don't know how many shops are doing programming and stuff in, in your area and stuff, but if nobody's you, doing that, you, you are nobody's the, <laughs> you have a brick and mortar, but you're, you're also providing a, a mobile service for these other, these other shops that don't have to pay for a, a, a tow bill or don't have to send it to the dealer or anything like that. You, you know, it, my back is, is the best it's ever been is because I'm not pulling transmissions and motors in, in, um, hump and work, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day and stuff anymore. Uh, I'm still working those hours, but I'm not, uh, it's not the strenuous kind of work. It's, it's more using my mind than it is, you know, actually turning the wrench and, and, uh, doing both. So as things get older and and it's still the more and more that we go into the future and the technology and everything else and and knowing how modules work and and everything, that's going to be a skill set within itself. Uh, so, so if you could, you know, yeah, keep him within the company, you know, make him feel that he's at, he's at home and allowing him to, to grow, which means that you also grow, uh, as the business, man, more power to, to, to all of that. You know, um, I think that's brilliant. I I think it's brilliant too, but, but let me, let me be the devil's advocate here. Yeah. Because a, it, it takes a it takes a, te- a technician who is extremely motivated to learn. It takes a technician that has tremendous ability. It takes a technician who has tremendous drive. Right. So other than and, the drive, I I wouldn't hire somebody that I didn't think had the I, talent abso- or or the potential talent absolutely. to be absolutely. exceptional technicians. But, but hear me out. Hear me out. Right. And, and that's one of the things that I'm, I, I, I want to bring up about this. And, and one of the reasons that I, I keep bringing this up and, and somewhat coming back to this is that when we're going to put somebody in that position, right? A, we've got to be able to bill appropriately for them. We've got to set up a, a process and a procedure, just like you talked about, on how we're going to, to return that investment back into the shop because we do have to have a return on investment. That's just how business works. Right. But I guess my point is, is that there's a lot of, a lot of technicians who are already aged to that point and they don't have those abilities. What are we going to do about that? Yeah. How are we going to handle this situation of, of these older guys who are being phased out now? I think it's a great solution, David. I think it works. 
they but need it, to realize may, that they're getting phased out, and they need to do, they need to pivot. Look, if I'm 55 and I'm working at a shop, and I'm you know, weren't you talking about uh, talking about it with with Tanner, or was Tanner the one talking about it? Yeah, said, we were talking the about the fact they don't have, even know how to use a cell phone. Yeah, the guy couldn't use a cell phone, and his wife uses the email for email address for him because he doesn't know how to do it. So that that guy's getting phased out. And it doesn't sound like he has any interest in furthering his career or like shifting his career. Let's call it that. It's not even furthering. It's just I need to pivot because I can't do this for 20 more years. Also, I don't have any retirement. I'm saying like they need to be, especially if they're young. And I know there a lot of the shop owners listening to this podcast are younger shop owners or they have younger crews. And so they need to start looking at what is this going to look like in 20 years? Do I really want to it, – it, it, and I, I understand the whole th- – that it, there needs to be an ROI. But my argument would be if that guy leaves in five years with all of the training, all of the time that you've put into him, the investment you've put into that person, the the rapport you have them, they know you, you know them. There's There's a relationship there, and there's a certain level of trust that's been built there. That person up and leaves because – whatever reason like you didn't want to put any they didn't see any potential like cody's been saying i didn't see right, the next right. step it's just if they all i saw was a brick wall they see that because you're like well there's no immediate roi for me to do this it's got to be like i got to look at it and what is this going to look like in five years if i can start right, building it now then in five years the guy doesn't up and leave because if i don't do anything about it now in five years this guy's gonna it, maybe five years but it might be three but Sooner or later, this guy's going to up and leave, and then I'm going to be starting back to square and, one. I'm going can, backwards and going. I have to hire the 23 year old now that doesn't know how to do anything, just fresh I, out and of I school. I don't disagree with you, David. That's not my point. I, I agree 110. percent But my problem is, is still yet it comes back to the business has to be able to generate revenue. I'm 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 not okay with even taking a service like that and saying to uh, allow our technicians to continue to have a space in the business. I will work my tail off for that. Right. No ifs, ands or buts about it. But, you know, and, and, and to add to what you say, what happens if they do leave? Right. We're, we're building another phase of this business. We've got to make sure that we because w- what happens if God forbid something happens, they're, they're hurt in an accident. They can't work. They're killed. Right. We have to make this a, a, a reliable source or, or I don't want to say reliable source of income, but it has I to be I don't reliable. think it needs to turn into a burden where you're like, Oh, I got to have redundancies and stuff like that. Or maybe, maybe that's overcomplicating the, the idea. In yeah. My but I mean, mind. when you, I, I guess my problem the, with that the is the only is thing that, keeping me from shutting down the shop tomorrow is the debt that I've incurred. So I just don't incur any debt in anything because I, like if I could shut the shop up tomorrow and just turn the lights off and say, here, go to this shop now, you know, we're closing the business, you know, it'd be very tempting. Let me say that. <laughs> yeah. But see, I, I don't, I don't feel that way. I, I really enjoy serving my clients. So if I've provided a service for them, they're used to me providing that I'm going to be the one over here freaking out. Like, how am I going to continue to provide this service? Something happened to, to Johnny. Now I don't have Johnny anymore. How do, what do I do now? Right. And I I think that's one of my concerns. I don't think it's a bad idea. And, and I, that was the kind of, the whole point of the podcast was, is to talk about the solutions, talk about what it is that we can do 
And I think it is a fantastic idea. I really like it. But I think there's, you know, if you don't take the devil's advocate, Dutch is going to yell at all of us. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I'm okay. Like, I want I want somebody to disagree with me because that's that's how we hash things out. And that's what we, how we derive to, uh, truth from ideas and concepts. We're going to pull the truth out through dialectics. But, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the the devil's advocate, and I get that. I, I, and it, I guess my my point is though, it has to be seen as an investment that is going to pay off in three to five years. So I'm going to put in whatever five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year into this tech in equipment and training, so that in three to five years, this is one going to produce some revenue to the to the business but most importantly it's going to keep them within the business and engaged in the business as something that they can grow themselves it's almost like brand building let's build up my technician's yeah. brand you, you see what i'm saying like cody's building a brand his auto md thing like all i when i mentioned the to one of my texts i said hey i'm gonna have cody on um he, he's like the auto md guy i'm like yeah the auto md guy and so he's building a brand there right right so why not do that within the shop? And you could, you know, I love it. I think it's a great. The, the, idea. the market's there. Like it, you know, it doesn't have to be very big, but why couldn't a technician see that as a, as an opportunity to, to grow? It's, you know, it's like what Mario's doing. It's what Cody's doing, but it almost seems like those guys, you, Cody, I, I hate to speak like you're not standing or sitting here. Listening, <laughs> I'm, but I'm it, not standing there, but I'm sitting like, <laughs> Look at Mario. I like. I don't know who the shop owner is uh, for his shop, and and if he does, like, if I had Mario Rojas working for me, trust me, everybody would know that Mario Rojas is working for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would be throwing his name out constantly because he's building a brand. Like, I kind of want to piggyback off of that. And so, why wouldn't? Um, why wouldn't? It, it's the same reason why we have anybody on this flipping podcast. Like, hey, he's got a big audience. Let's have him on the podcast and talk about stuff, right? Yeah, I was told I wasn't allowed to film anymore. So, so I'm glad Mario has somebody that that you know supports his his channel and and him. You know, okay. Uh, so there you go. This is so you were told that you couldn't even film. Yeah, and and, and granted, that's my uh, point. Like, what are you doing? Well, and what granted, is that and, person doing? Well, well, and here's the here's the thing. Um, there are some, you know, in the beginning, I would uh, their quick videos or whatever while I was at work in between, like just showing an RC test, whatever it may be, uh, just quick, you know, down and dirty tests or whatever. Uh, if it was a little bit further diagnostics or anything else, that's when I would be going in at five o'clock in the morning to to, to film. So it's not even on company time is when I was even doing it. So uh, you know, it, and. The, when we got why wouldn't out you want to attach your shop name to no. that like okay but here's the why funny wouldn't thing. you say like hey Here. cody works for me yeah he well, works okay. at this shop like, so wow. here's here's the funny thing about it so like i said my uh that company got bought out by this this wannabe tire company right and the the new ceo i've never met him before he comes over and he's he's like see him in the shop and he's over there looking at my toolbox and kind of scoping it up and down and everything. And he turns around, he's like, Oh, you're Cody. He's like, yes, sir. He's like, he's like, I, I've seen you before. I've, I've seen you on YouTube. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, we actually Googled something on, on fixing a vehicle and your video came up. He's like, Oh, awesome. You know, awesome video and everything. And we, we got the vehicle fixed cause your, your video and everything. Um, but I'm going to have to ask you, you can't film. Oh, okay. Like, like, oh, got it. That's nuts. That's <laughs> nuts. 
But are well, you telling me, look, what do we, didn't Mario throw up the, po, the uh, post on in ASOG and he said, hey, should technicians pay for their own training? And, you know, the overwhelming majority of shop owners um, said no. Of course, if you were like, yes, you see 800 no's, you're not going to yeah. jump in there and be like, yes, and then want to argue with everybody else. So, you know, most of the shop owners stayed quiet. But there were a few on there that got on there and said, I'm worried about them leaving. If I'm going to drop whatever, 750 bucks was what, whatever the, the cost of um, a full package at Vision, plus airfare, plus the rental, plus a hotel. So you're going to have it, you're going to be in it for whatever, $2,000 for this technician to go to Vision. And then a month later, the guy puts his two weeks in. You're going to see that $2,000 is wasted money. I mean, you're going to be pissed. I've, I've done it. I've spent yep. the money on the technician and then the technician bails, or I have to fire the technician because they do something unbelievably stupid. And so, yeah, you can see it as a waste of money. And so they're like, what about a, uh, you know, a, a, a contract that they pay me back for the training that I spent my money on if they decide they're going to leave, or if I have to fire them, I can, I can get recoup my, my costs. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a, uh... Uh, I think that's good, um, honestly. And um, it, you would know, you you would I, I'm, I, I would be offended if my shop owner came to me, if my business owner came to me and said, "Hey, I need you to sign this because I, I want to spend the money on training, but I also don't want you to leave." Yeah, so, well, holy crap! What makes you think I'm going to leave? Are you going to do something that's making that's going to make me want to leave? Well, no. Then why? What the hell? Like, what are you doing? And it's kind of double-edged sword. So, so obviously that company I was at for 14 years, I went to every single training that I possibly could. Um, when we got bought out, uh, you know, shortly after that, uh, I gave it a little while. I tried to, you know, feel the waters. I, I'm okay with things changing, but there was this, obviously it was just going a different business model than, than I felt I wanted to, to work for. Uh, so when I put in my two weeks, I got you know, I was told that, you know, I owe $2,700 for, for the training for the last, uh, I don't even, I don't know if it was the last year. No, it was $1,200 for the last year, uh, of putting in my two weeks. Now, granted, this was not in the handbook and until we got bought out. And once we got bought out, you know, obviously I didn't even really read through the handbook. I was like, man, this is it was just a joke, but it was in there that, yeah, if you put in your two weeks notice that any training within that year, you have to pay back. Um, you know, I looked at it as kind of coming into this podcast was a positive perspective that look, I just, you know, spent 14 years, uh, taking advantage of every single training class I possibly could. And it cost me 1400 bucks. Not, not, not horrible. I mean, you can't even do a couple semesters at college and stuff for that. So I felt that it was money well spent. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was a little ticked about it because I was already leaving on a sour note that, you know, um, that this company um, doesn't see the value in, in myself and would rather hire four tire guys to, because it's more profitable on the back end, how they're able to get their trips and everything selling tires. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah, I was, I was a little upset about getting that bill, but then after I sat down, I thought about it. I was like, you know, it is what it is. Um, th- is that going to give you a peace of mind being a shop owner that, uh, and it may make the text think differently too, that, Hey, are you serious about this company? And are you just going to this training just to be going to the training or are you actually going to, um, 
you know, pay attention and make it worth your while. Uh, cause I will say, you know, if I would have started going to training at 21 years old, I would not be the guy sitting in the front of the class. Like I am now wanting to, you know, retain every single bit of information that I possibly can. Uh, I was just in a different headspace then. When I was 21 years old, I don't know if I would have hired myself, but what I turned into and the dedication and the loyalty I had to that company was remarkable. And I would still be working there, honestly, if if uh, we didn't get bought out and things things stayed the way that they were. Uh, you know, so that being said, and I was I was die hard, you know, super loyal to that to that shop, but everything happens for a reason. And this, you know, I have moved on from that, but it was, it was kind of like, it was a breakup when I was putting in my two weeks, man, I'm sitting there crying with my manager and stuff. I was like, man, I I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to leave, you know, but I I felt that I had to for, for me. Uh, (laughs) Now, will that make you feel better as far as having your text sign that piece of paper? Possibly, will it piss off some technicians? Possibly, uh, I guess it all depends on on you know how it's a the calculated risk. It, exactly, yeah, it, it it's is, a calculated that, risk no matter what. Yeah, that, that's exactly. a really interesting perspective, though, right? That that it it forces them to look at it and say, "How serious am I about this?" Um, and and I I I don't, and I'm not going to ask my techs to pay me back for the training. It is, and and you know. Um, David, you've met George. George is, uh, is a real close friend of mine. He worked for me and he took the things that he learned in going to the trainings we went to on technical and management. And he's running his own business now doing something completely different in another field. And he calls me all the time and says, Hey, you remember we went to this class and this happened. I just used that today in my business doing this. Nice. Right? I, I think it's about improving people's lives. Right. And, and See, at the end yeah. of the day, you know, that that's what it's about. Uh, it's not just about dollar bills. It's about improving the quality of life for those around us. And, and, you know, for me, this is my family. This is everybody in this shop is part of my family. Even that sounds so that, nice. Cause you always, you always make everything sound so like warm and fuzzy, but there, <laughs> there has to be something tangible. Like I, I well, think for, for, the if shop owner that's listening me, to I this, I would tell you, <laughs> for, for the Christ. shop owner that's listening to this and they're like, well, I need to, I need to quantify that. Like, what does that mean that they're family? Well, you need to look at it and say, this needs to be a long-term relationship. Like this is not, yes. this is not me just assuming that they're going to be here for two to three years. And then I'm either going to fire them or they're going to quit or find something else. And then we start back over with the process. It needs to be an understanding that, Hey, I do plan on you being here for a very long time. I don't see the business. I don't plan on the business going under anytime soon. This is a business that I've established to last 20, 30 years. Maybe I'll sell it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll pass it on to my kids, whatever. But in the meantime, let's sit down and let's map out what it is that you want to get out of your time here. Because otherwise, they're just putting in time. And then if you have that conversation and then they come back with, I don't know, it's whatever. Like, I'm just putting in my time. It's just a paycheck for me. Then maybe they're not the right person. Maybe you don't put the time and training to to uh, and invest in that person. Maybe you do move on. How how many how many shop owners do you know that have that luxury right now? Of what? Of of saying, hey, you know, if you if you don't have any goals or aspirations for being here aside from just putting in your time, how many? If you're going to go out and and start a hiring campaign right now, how many shop owners do you know that would fill 
that they have the freedom to be able to ask that. I question. mean, I have and, the freedom to do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you'll just close the doors and be like, well, what if men suck? No, 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 no. If I needed to find a technician tomorrow, I feel I am very confident I'd be able to find a technician tomorrow. And I'm not saying you turn around and fire the guy, yeah, but at I the mean, very I, at the very least, you know that this is not going to be the person that you want to invest any time in it and, and uh, in any time and money into. And so yes, you start yeah. looking for yeah. alternatives that you do then end up squeezing the guy out and say, hey, I'm going to bring in this other person. Maybe Meanwhile, you're not Cody's good over fit here for saying company. like maybe this is what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the automotive industry maybe the you know david's over here talking about squeezing people out well i'm sorry but uh, if the guy like these that that person's not right that guy needs to go work at at the uh at the chain that you know just wants to do tires and and uh and brakes and steering. as much as i'm saying they don't have a place in the industry they absolutely have a place in the industry i'm just saying it's not at my shop because right. I, I don't i don't and that, that if, was if my they're point not earlier. engaged if they're not right. engaged in the business, if they're not engaged in improving themselves, like th- then what, what's the point? Like, Hey dude, I get it. But in like 10 years, that, you're not going to be able to get out of bed without popping a whole mess of a leaves to just to get it to work. Like, so what's your game plan then? What are you, what are you going to do at that point there, cowboy? And he's going to be like, Oh, I don't know. I'm going to worry about it then, I guess. Well, that's idiotic. Like, dude, come on. Let's think about this now. And I will say, so, you know, how I was at, I think I was 24 when I started with, with that company. Um, you know, I was in a different mental, mental state and everything. I, I, uh, I've always been a hard worker and everything else. And then I always put, put my best foot forward and stuff, but I didn't right off the bat, I didn't fully start taking advantage of the training and stuff. I, 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 uh, remember being at a Christmas party, uh, at the company Christmas party and they're doing an, you know, uh, uh, employees of the month. And this one guy, Kenny Davis is, is a really good buddy of mine. He wasn't, I didn't know who he was at the time, or I heard of him at the time. He was a, a guy that graduated UTI, started working for the company as a GS. And within like six months, he was, he was master certified and, and a master tech within the company. Obviously we know the certs don't, don't make you and stuff, but I just remember being looking at him as fully, you know, I was, I was impressed of everything that he accomplished at such a young age. Cause he was younger than me and stuff. And that right there started making me try that much harder to, you know what? I know I didn't go to UTI and I, I, I can't go back in time and, and to go back there and, and everything, but I can put my best foot forward and take advantage of everything I can possibly. And now Kenny and I, you know, it's, it's, it's neat to see that, uh, you know, how much he's grown, how much we both have grown and how far that I've come that, you know, he, he was, uh, driving force for me that he didn't even know it. He didn't even know me at that time, but just, I remember, you know, I can even picture where I was sitting and everything that he inspired me and he didn't even know it. Now, let me say something as far as like, okay, so what about even taking a chance as, cause you don't know everybody like right off the bat, like, are they dedicated to training? And maybe it's, maybe it is taking a shot in the dark and sending somebody that you may, that you may think that uh, is on the cusp of like wanting to to grow and better themselves and, and everything and then sending them to an ASTE and then maybe that's the fire under their ass that they needed that they come back like I had no idea you know that that, yeah. that it, you know the industry was anything like this because it, that right there uh, 
those conferences and those, you know, uh, the networking and everything else, God, you can't help. I, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Who you, are. you can't, you can't help coming back just being like, let's kick some butt. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as, as a company, as, as everybody. And, you know, I guarantee it, I really feel it'd be real hard for anybody to, any technician to go here. And then if, unless they just flat out, just hate the automotive industry to not come back as far as, you know, feeling like that was just, just refreshed and ready to, to kick some ass, you know? So, I guess I would, I would be apprehensive sending anybody that showed a certain level of apathy towards the job then, yeah. you know, and, and they were explicit about it, but if they showed some interest and especially if you didn't have a, like a track history with that person, if you, they had, they hadn't been with you for very long, maybe they didn't show that much excitement to go to the local training. Maybe they weren't in, interested at all in doing any online training. Cause that's, that's a whole different type of person that, that wants to do online training versus in person. And so, yeah, maybe you do send them to a, a, uh, an ASTE, which is very inexpensive. Um, and it's something that you can at least send them to. Maybe if you're not, maybe not from the West coast, but if you're anywhere within driving distance, you know, even if it's a four or five, six hour drive to get to ASTE, it, that's a no brainer. That's yeah, absolutely yeah, a no brainer. And, uh, well, what does Adam drive eight hours to get to ASTE? Yeah. And he like yeah. loads everybody up in the car. Like the whole shop gets in the car and they drive down. And um, that's a drop in the bucket. Eight hours to go to a, go to awesome training. I, I look at that. Well, like, I mean, at least you can, <laughs> you can get a good feeler on them and see how they react to it. Absolutely. Because yeah. I think they come back from ASD and if they're not like, if you're like, you're saying, if they're not all juiced up and excited about the industry and excited about where they, they could uh, go or progress, then maybe that isn't the right person. Well, but would you rather find out then them with the, instead uh, sell of them, uh, attempt to sell them the idea up front? Right. And say, look, this is what could happen. We can set you up with a retirement fund. We can, you know, we can start moving you into much more sophisticated levels of repair. And yeah, I mean, there, nobody is going to be willing to put in that kind of effort to learn electric vehicles, to learn module, you know, rebuilding, to learn, you know, how to properly diagnose and repair 1234 systems, whatever it happens to be. Find find the blue ocean, right? And then push your technicians down that path and say, I'm going to find the blue ocean for my technician even, you know, cause it could be extremely niche and very hyper-specific to a certain market and then push them down that path and see, Hey, you know, there's no reason why in 20 years, rather than banging out that, that break job, you're not instead doing training classes on this subject. Exactly. Yep. And yep. you know, the, the shop gets a taste. That's all I'm saying. Like, or the shop is the event or where they take, where the events take place. You know what I'm saying? You clean everything out and you put some chairs up and that's where you do the, the classes and you take a, uh, whatever, a location fee. Yeah. Yep. No, I absolutely agree. And that that's, that's another avenue of, you know, uh, granted that's not going to be every single technician wants to, to go down that, that path as they get older and stuff. But that's something that I, uh, you know, working with a, a bunch of these, and I hate to say it like old timers and stuff, but, you know, working with a bunch of old timers that are, you know, uh, late sixties or, you know, late sixties, still throwing transmissions around and, and motors yeah. and everything else, man, they, they are just beat 
up. Those guys are freaks of nature at that age <laughs> doing those kind of – they are specimens. One. Most people, like you're saying, their bodies break in their 40s, late yep. 40s, early 50s. Their bodies break and then they have to get out of the industry or they move to the – to the shop that, you know, does one car a day and then they drink beer the rest of the afternoon. My mentor at my old location and stuff, he was, uh, he's, he's an, he's an old timer, but I mean, he, he's, he's the one that actually got me into programming and everything else. So he's, you know, yes, he can do the carburetors, but he can program the modules and he can do, you know, he's, he is impressive, but he's 58 years old and he works from six o'clock in the morning to six o'clock at night, six days a week. I mean, that is his schedule. And he, 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 he bangs out a hundred hours a week and still to this day. And I don't know there, there's just no slowing down for him, you know? So he was my idol for a long time until I realized that, man, I just, I, uh, I missed out on eight years of my daughter's life. You know, yeah. I, I yeah, wasn't there for exactly. any volleyball games. I wasn't there for her, for her football or, uh, or for her soccer games. I wasn't there for, you know, I, I missed out on her life and, and, and I can't take any of that back. And now she lives in Indiana and stuff. So, I mean, that's something that, that kicks me every single day, um, that, you know, it, I should be able to make a decent living. I should be able to have a nice career. Uh, but I should be able to also, you know, have time with my family and, and it doesn't have to be just, you know, work or family. It can, it sh- should be a balance of both. And that, and, that, and just in my, in my mind, just this is my personal opinion. I think the, the flat rate shop, I think engenders that, that mindset that it's work, 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 work. Yep. It's, and it was a shop owner. Maybe it was a, a, a t- uh, I think it was a shop owner was talking about how in order to not stop they the technician the flat rate technicians send the hourly guy to go pick up lunches. Oh yeah. So no, they don't have to shop. go to lunch. Yep. What's that? That that's exactly how we did it at our shop. Like I yeah, that's we nuts would, to me though. We would not like, leave. The only time I would leave that shop is if I needed, you know, if I was pissed off at a car or whatever it, it is, and then I would go and get lunch and then 15 minutes later, I'm back working. So that that's, that's exactly how it is. There was no stopping for, you know, you, you get your hour lunch, you get, there was none of that. It was, Wait, work, whoa, whoa, work, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. You're saying other shops don't take an hour for lunch every day. No, get out of here. You don't take an hour for lunch. No, that's we not take true. an hour for lunch every <laughs> single day. I've gotten the phone uh, calls. I'm picking up lunch. Hey, where are you going? <laughs> oh, we had barbecue yesterday. We should do something different today. Yeah. I've, I've heard those phone calls. Well, yeah, but I mean, we we're all sitting around now. Eric typically tries to work through lunch. I have to yell at him to stop. But I mean, if uh, they want to no, work we, through lunch, it's it's whatever. I, it's different though. Like sometimes, well, I've got one tech who will not cut his lunch short. I mean, he will take his full lunch. But <laughs> the other guys, if they if we're busy and they have work sitting on their rack and they, they're like, "Hey, I got to get back to to getting this knocked out," they'll eat and then they'll go back to work. But it's not, it's not normal at our shop. It's normally, Hey, what are we doing for lunch? And, and you know, it turns into a 45 yeah. minute conversation about lunch, but that that's why no, I talk I mean, about I, like having an idea of what you want to do with the business because in, and I'm not disparaging the, the empire builders, right? The, the Seth Thorson's of the world that like, it's, it's like, okay, great. I'm going to turn this into a seven figure shop as quickly as possible. So I can start building my other seven figure shop and then another one. And then another one. I I have nothing against those guys. My problem is that they are the 1%. 
they're 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 the freaks of nature they're the guy that is that's still you know banging out 100 hours at 58 yeah. that's a freak of nature that you know they're they're the michael jordans like you're never gonna get another michael jordan i'm sorry there'll be another there'll never be another tom brady they're just they're one in a million there's they're so rare that's that's not the majority of shops the more the majority of shops are just you know it's a shop, but it's it's a way to build to to make a living, and maybe they want to build something for their family or leave a legacy or, or whatever. And sitting down and mapping that out, and what is this shop going to look like in five years or ten years or fifteen years? What is it that I really want to get out of this business? And then game planning around that, as opposed to being sold the idea that I have to hit these crazy numbers at all costs. Because that's what a lot of these coaching groups and consultants, that's what they do. Like they, they're like, Hey, we, we could get you in a boat. I know how to get you in a boat. Let's get you a boat in a yacht too. It's not a little boat not a little rowboat. Let's get you into a big boat. And so we're going to sell you this, this idea that these, if we hit these huge numbers, you're going to live this, this extravagant life. And, and that might be fine, but for some people. I guess my hesitancy in saying, yeah, that's great for everybody isn't like, I guess I have to one, be able to sleep with myself. Cause I know at the end of the day, like if my guys are having to send an hourly guy out so they don't have to stop because it's going to lower their numbers and we're just coming out and just pushing, yeah, pushing, ridiculous. pushing and just constantly just pushing because we, we need to hit, you know, another 5,000, another 10,000, another 15,000, whatever. You're just trying to push another hour, another two hours, another five hours out of each tech and, and and tweak it down to then create what exactly? Like you're building this empire. That's that's great for the empire builders. But for everybody else, the normies, the regular shop owners, they're like, where does it stop? What's enough money for you? It, right. Is it like you're saying, Cody, it's not no, always about the money. It's like, well, I'm missing out on the soccer game. Well, so are your yep, techs. Absolutely. And because you're pushing them so hard, you're they're missing out on the soccer games too. So are you okay with that? And some some people may be okay with that. And you know what? That's that's your choice. I can't be okay with that. Like I'm I'm gonna be bothered by that and go, eh, maybe I should change the way I do my business because I don't need the extra five, ten, fifteen hours out of that tech. I don't need it. I'm okay with them flagging 40 i'm okay with them flagging 30 in fact and right we'll still make money and i'll still be okay and i can still play Hold with on, my let toys. me find that voice message where's that at hang on just a second <laughs> <laughs> i told i admitted to lucas one time like how few hours we need to flag in order for me to be profitable and he's like what and i'm like yeah <laughs> we hit this number if we hit this number early on in the week phew, like, guess what, Lucas, this week? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, for me, though. It, it's it, Wednesday? Uh, Listen, I'm going to coast the rest of this week. This is fantastic. Yeah. I went see, out my, and bought a machine, a 1230. <laughs> my drive is my clients, though, right? Is I've got all these people who are depending on us to keep their vehicle safe and reliable. They're here. They want their vehicle fixed. Um, and there's lots of them. As a matter of fact, I'm out of parking spots, and that sucks because you don't know how hard it is to work dump trucks in and out of very tight parking lots anyway. Um, 
And so I, that's my drive is that that I want to serve the clients. That's really the drive behind me that keeps me pushing and, and moving forward with trying to do more is because I want to serve all the clients we can and take care of them. You know, it's not really about the money for me. Um, and, and when we experience things like, you know, um, we had a record year and, and we worked to make sure that the techs were, were also having record years. Um, I think for me is, is, you know, I hate to use the term servant leader, but, but that's the way my parents were. I grew up like that. I, I believe in serving other people and helping other people and making people the best they can be. And so for me, that's my drive behind growing the business and doing better to see what we can do for other people. You know, that's my drive. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. We have several more conversations coming your way from the most influential technicians in the industry today. So if you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site, that's A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E, and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube, and as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.